0: Tom Kissingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though.
1: Peter crunches numbers and Jake just that tape.
2: dot com and the dlf family of podcasts that's james the brain
3: do i look like a cat to you boys am i jumping around on nimbly bimbly from tree to tree am i drinking milk from a saucer do you see me eating mice
2: i didn't know when that one was gonna end that's stompy sam lane
4: so there was a shooter on the grassy knoll
2: that's peter howdy
0: that's like not even my name dude
2: i know i know it's not that's what i call you that's that's your name today
0: i'll take it <laughs> you call me whatever you want man just don't call me dk mackett
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the tacit assassin
1: we're uncle ned's kids <laughs>
2: I am John, just a dummy at a crossroads. Hogan, this is a super flex, Super Show. And that's right, with the NFL draft coming in hot, we're going to be talking rookies for the last couple weeks leading up to the draft. And we're going to start with the needs of these players uh, as they uh, as they prepare to enter the NFL. And we brought in a couple absolute ringers to help us out with this. First of all, from the Dynasty Crossroads podcast, from DLF and FF statistics, Peter Howard. No, sorry, Peter Howdy. I'm, 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 I'm gonna make you answer to Peter Howdy all all night now. That's that's just the way this has to go. I
0: answer to whatever you want, man. <laughs> hey guys, what's up?
2: What's up, man? Thanks for being here. And that's Zach Reed at Tacit Assassin Thirteen on Twitter he's from Dynasty Dummies podcast of course and dynastydummies.com Zach, thanks for being here as well man
1: Fellas, thanks for having me on uh, I, I'm uh, excited I don't get to talk quarterbacks very much with uh, with with Kyle uh, running the show so this is exciting
2: Yeah and you also mentioned that uh, that you haven't had a show sheet in a while so
1: Yeah um, like 3 years don't worry about it that's fine
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah yeah uh, which which made me break out into a sweat just thinking about it <laughs> But yeah, uh, so we we do have a show sheet, and uh, it's not something that it that I have been able to get away from altogether. But uh, so yeah, we've we've got a ton of rookies that we want to talk about with you guys, and uh, of course get some some analysis from our resident brain and our resident stomp as well. I'm I'm really going to kind of sit back and and absorb a lot of this for the most part i i don't have nearly as much time devoted into uh into learning about these rookies as as the four of you guys do so um i i don't know i i i honestly uh probably shouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the fact that i've i know all the logins to to publish this thing once we're done so we uh, we'll, we're, we're going to get to it here with this is a quarterback centric podcast. So I think that we need to start with some quarterbacks. The, the rumor has been number one overall ends up being Kyler Murray. I'm I before anything else, I'm curious if you guys feel like that is going to be a legitimate possibility, but beyond not- that, what, what does it take for Kyler Murray to land in a spot where he can be successful and live up to that number one overall.
0: Can I just uh, take a minute to out you all guys as non-Crossroads listeners? (laughs) Because me and Jake (laughs) just did an episode on Crossroads uh, where we talked about quarterbacks, where by the end of it we were pulling each other's hair out and promising never to try it again. (laughs) 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 Or maybe,
4: maybe we listened to it and we wanted to reproduce it yeah well <laughs> let, let's go
0: um because I, I am yeah i used to be a lot more confident in my quarterback uh, evaluations but since having increased my database which is you know a very sad geeky thing to say but having uh, gathered more information since the last time i did it when i i think we hit pretty well on la- in last year's class and um, i've become increasingly less confident in every number that i can produce for quarterback evaluation Almost nothing outside a top 10 round pick uh, produces a number that you really want when you're talking about predictiveness into the NFL. However, I am starting to research, and I've produced kind of a version of um, Josh Hermsmeyer's CPO. I guess it is CPOE which is completion percentage over expected which judges a quarterback's completion percentage compared to the expected completion percentage based on the conference that they're in. Yeah. And that seems to have a pretty good hit rate especially when combined with other variables like he did in his model for I forget which one he wrote that for. Um I forget which side he wrote that one for. Um, but that seems to have some value and in that, Kyle Murray is you know uh, clearly the only top tier quarterback prospect in this year's class um and also TNEA from um, Sean Slaven at 2 QBs i lean on those two guys and those two evaluations fairly heavily uh, and for both of those guys Kyle Murray is literally the only one that shows you know top tier potential and that's just talking potential not even Uh, like comparing them to NFL prospects necessarily. So, yeah, Kyle Monody is a clear one in this class.
1: Now, as far as going to Arizona at one, though, it seems to me like there's been an awful lot of sunshine blown. I mean, you, you heard it start at the Combine, and that sounds like, at least from my perspective, like a team trying to increase the value of, the the 101 and and see if they can send it somewhere because they've already got Rosen who theoretically is a a solid NFL quarterback if you put an offensive line in front of him I mean you saw what he did in college a couple years ago so to to kind of reframe your question I I'm not sure that he goes to Arizona but I would like him to go to Oakland and the reason why I'd like him to go to Oakland is, first of all, I don't believe in Derek Carr at all. Uh, I, I've never been a very big Derek Carr guy. But I also think that Kyler Murray is going to benefit from a year of kind of seasoning. When I watch him, I get this quote from John Wooden, uh, and, and it's, be quick but don't hurry. And, and to me, Kyler Murray kind of struggles with that where he – his best asset is his mobility, but sometimes he, it's a weakness where he starts moving and he tries to make quick decisions and he gets himself in trouble. And instead of slowing down the game, you know, he's making decisions, you know, and loses his base when he's moving and just throwing on the run and, and that sort of thing. And I think that he would benefit a little bit from seasoning Now, that said, it's funny to say this, but I love the way he kind of reframes himself within the pocket when he's got pressure and is not uh, getting outside the pocket. So like on like a play action, if he if he uh, has pressure on a play action, he's really good at taking that side step, getting his feet under him and throwing the ball again. But I don't love him when he's getting outside the pocket and and trying to make a play that way. I think he kind of gets ahead of himself, kind of hurries.
3: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think I saw some of that on tape too. But I I almost wonder if that if that's coachable. I, I think, at least the part of of being able to make plays on the move outside the pocket, I, I think some of those things are just he, he just has to take a second to plant his feet and to make an accurate pass. And I think I think that's coachable. Some of the spots I I really kind of like Kyler Murray in would be Miami. Um, I think mm-hmm. Miami, you know, with that coaching staff, I mean they. basically, you know, under Brian Flores, they have a New England coaching staff, you know, with uh, with Flores there and, uh, you know, with offensive coordinator Chad O'Shea. These are guys that are used to getting the most out of the players that they have. And I think that that would be a good thing for, for Kyler Murray. Let's Let's get, you know, some quick reads, some, you know, let's let him get rid of the ball quickly if we can. But if not, if the play's not there, we can move the pocket with him. We can actually design plays to move that pocket with him um, and to work off a play action, utilize his strength. So I think that would be a nice spot. And I also, I kind of like the Giants as, as a nice fit for Kyler Murray. And mainly the reason is, is because of Mike Shula, who's their offensive coordinator. And Mike Shula worked a lot in Carolina with Cam Newton. And Cam Newton's kind of, you know, they they can you utilize that that I, I hate to say it, but that, you know, pass read the, the, the read option. You know, that's that's kind of kind of what they do in Carolina uh, really well. And and under Shuler, I think that's what they uh, they really excel at. And I think that's something that Kyler Murray can really do well, is to be able to make that read quickly and you know give himself high percentage throws early on in his career. I think that would help him out a lot. And I think with Mike Shula, obviously. Cam Newton's built a little bit differently. Uh, you don't want Kyler Murray to take those hits that Cam can can withstand, you know, because he Cam just has that size. Whereas Kyler Murray, you know, he he doesn't have that size. You want to protect him a little bit more with the durability and size concerns. But I I would like that fit as somebody who has had, you know, extensive. Success in the league with a quarterback that they can they can utilize their athleticism and and their speed. So, uh, those were two teams I, I actually kind of liked Kyler Murray on. I think those would be decent fits. Um. So yeah, I I tend to agree with James there. It's just, he
4: seems to be somebody that if if he's able to make quick decisions or quick reads, that he will excel. So uh think a lot like uh, Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. Mm. Um, what they did from year one to year two and adjusting that offense for him Um, and I think that's where Murray can excel and uh, like I think both Zach and um, James said he's able to move the pocket if he doesn't get those initial quick reads which is huge in those type of offenses I mean Cam Newton does the same thing Carson Wentz does the same thing Um, so yeah I, I don't know necessarily about Arizona, i think cliff kingsbury is smart enough to put him in that kind of offense i'm just so iffy on whether the cardinals are going to would be willing to move on from rosen um but then again we saw them pull a quick trigger on both um mccoy and steve wilkes so Maybe they're like, "Well, we need to have Kingsbury take the lead and reshape this this team." So I could definitely see that happening, and and if that happens, I do think Kingsbury can develop or implement that type of offense with Murray to have him have him those quick reads, and if not, move the pocket.
0: It's the question: Will they, or is the question: Should they? And with Arizona. Hmm. Which, which it, is the question?
3: Um, which is
2: which is something that we've talked about quite a quite a bit too. It, it's, I, I mean, they they absolutely should. It, it's, it doesn't seem likely. I, I can't imagine that actually happening. But they 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 really if they don't if they don't if they don't believe in Josh Rosen, then yeah, go get Kyler Murray. That doesn't mean give up on Josh Rosen.
0: I don't. Yeah, I don't necessarily think taking Murray is giving up on Rosen. I think. Yeah. Well, I think it would be a fairly good value move. Both could probably be traded for first-round picks the next year once they've made a decision or even in season. Yep. Um, All-round, I think it would make a pretty good decision that way. I don't know if they'll do it at all. I mean, I yeah, don't know probably, about you guys, but I am not hired by the Arizona coaching staff. <laughs> <laughs> I got no clue.
2: Well, <laughs> well, you clearly should be because you make far better decisions than uh than your average nfl front office person so far be it for me to give you know
0: uh front offices a break but to be fair it's a lot easier <laughs> when you don't have like uh millions of dollars and th- uh, hundreds of thousands of fans screaming at you <laughs> to be honest um i don't know do you think arizona fans will be happy with the kyla murray decision are people really upset about we give up on quarterbacks so quick, which is, seems to be ridiculous. But uh, Arizona fans really rooting to get rid of um, or bring in competition for Rosen. I, I don't think he was that bad. His first year It wasn't great, but neither are most rookies, right?
2: Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. It, it. I mean, it is tough to to go off of, you know, the the consensus opinion among your fan base when it comes to something like this because. The the problem is, I mean, you don't know enough about about Josh Rosen at this point to make a definitive decision.
0: No, so, we, we almost know less than we did when he was drafted, frankly,
2: <laughs> because right. last year was so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> right, and and for reasons that are far beyond, you know, his his control. So yeah, it, it and the problem here could become, you know, if you if you do buy into that too much, that that the move is to just completely bail on Josh Rosen, move on from Josh Rosen and go to Kyler Murray. What happens when he plays like a rookie in 2019? Are, are we going to do this again in 2020? Just keep kicking the can down the road until, you know, somebody you know mysteriously plays like a like an all-pro quarterback is a rookie. We we get Deshaun Watson finally. You know, it's 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 just so unlikely that that ever happens so you know that's to me that's where the move here is to if you're not sold on josh rosen for whatever reason you know it it, it's a little early to me to give up on him but if you think that there's a chance that he busts then yeah go ahead and hedge now but you know stop stop trying to isolate these guys and figure out which quarterback is your quarterback one at a time you know get two of them in there at a time and and let the, those two hash it out.
1: Basically you need the the Giants front office and the Cardinals front office to kind of ha- get in a room and talk and, and then split the difference because the Giants don't want to get off of their quarterback. <laughs> yeah, they, the they, Cardinals they won't you know, give up they, for anything. Yeah, the Cardinals are giving up. It, it just it doesn't make any sense to me to to short sell on Rosen after a year. I mean, I've heard I've heard uh, rumors of like a second this year and a mid round pick next year for Rosen. And it doesn't make any sense to me to, to, to short sell him without even taking a look.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Make him compete. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's make them both compete, make Kyler right. Murray compete. The, ha, ha, that, that's the, the thing, you know, Kyler Murray could be a bust is just as easily in all honesty.
1: Yeah. And look, the, the Patriots got a second for castle. I mean, it's not like the second is not going to be there for a, for a, an NFL caliber quarterback, at least. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think we're just talking around rosebush, uh, and we don't <laughs> we don't know like any of the variables we need to know to come up with an answer. We don't know if they're done with Rosen. We don't know if they want to be done with Rosen. We don't know what Rosen is. We don't know what Kyler Murray is. We do know Kyler Murray is like the one that might compete with the draft class. Um, from last year and um, snatching at him because he's the only one though is a little like taking your least favorite candy because they're sold out of everything else. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. That would be a good reason to go get him. So I, right. I don't know where they are on Kyler. I don't know where they are on Rosen. And um, I do know that anyone else that draft drafting a quarterback this year messed up by not doing it last year because that was the class to try and grab one. Um, or the next few classes. This isn't the class to go searching for your franchise quarterback, I don't think. Um, trade the pick or go defense, pretty much.
2: Well, with that being said, let's move on to the the next quarterback in this class. Cool. Um, even though it sounds like um, I, we're we're talking about a likely NFL backup here, but Dwayne Haskins. Uh, do do we have any uh, any positive? Feelings out there about Dwayne Haskins and a landing spot for him? I actually
0: do have some positive feelings, but like he had one year as a starter. And, you know, rookies don't do well. Rookies with one year as a starting quarterback at the college level um, is doubly frustrating. His completion percentage was fairly good. Um, He's the next best metric wise quarterback in this class. I just, like I said, I just don't think this is the year to really go big or go home on quarterback. Um, so, yeah,
3: he
0: he's fine. He he has potential, but talking about whether I actually went and looked in desperation trying to find something good to say about quarterbacks and about whether it's better to sit or not sit in your first year, and even that is fairly, you know, yeah, not everything matter. has to be productive, but it depends so much on the situation, the player. I mean life is its just down to life, right? Life's always a game of chance, and you don't know which way it's going to work out best. So I can't even say that because he's got less experience um, that he's going to need more time or time on the bench. Um, in this, In the modern NFL, though, quarterbacks tend to have to start early to make any impact. And if you're drafting him high, like we're talking about these guys in this class, and they probably have to get on the field sooner than most, um, I can't, f- and like you were just talking about, um, with you know potential teams, all of them outside the Giants, which is seems like a toxic atmosphere anyway. None of them seem like great places or great situations for a rookie who may need more development than others to step into. You know, and um, they all seem like they'd be bad for a quarterback who maybe needs a little more help than others. Um, so yeah, (laughs) I'm worried for Haskins. I hope he, I hope he does well. Like I say, he was, he was pretty decent in the one year um, that I've got on him, but not, not as good as Kyler Murray and not as good as at least three quarterbacks from last year's class. That's what I can say on him.
4: I've got some questions on his, the way he reads defenses, I suppose. Uh, he doesn't necessarily always see like big play opportunities. Sometimes he waits a beat too long when, when making a read and and the ball ends up behind a receiver. Um, But like Peter said, he's got, he's very accurate. Now the, the hesitation I think is going to affect him in the NFL. And I don't think he's going to be able to do that now. I don't know if that's coachable or not, um, and the other part is he's just not mobile, despite what Stephen A. says.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that one point four yards per carry, not doing it for you, huh? No.
4: Nope. <laughs> so, and and that's concerning in that if he goes to a place like New York, which has a poor offensive line, we've already seen Eli struggle. I mean, Eli is obviously on the tw- in the twilight of his career, but.
0: Eli's not struggling anymore. Eli's. <laughs>
4: Eli's
0: not a, I, I, I hate to do this to a player who's had a fairly good career. He's won two Super Bowls. He's never been right. a great quarterback, but he's done one of the most difficult jobs in sports to a fairly high level. And at this point, I'm not even mad at the coaching staff. I want to shake Eli as like, why would you want this to be the memory we take of you? Right. Like Get out, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. Like, you're not even a quarterback on the field anymore. And that's not like a, I shouldn't judge because I'm not a quarterback. But do I know what it's like to do that job or what it's like to do that job at a high level? Right. But like... His play is beyond bad at this point. He is a negative effect on almost every play, and that's with one of the best skill position groups that any team has, and now he doesn't have that anymore because <laughs> they traded the best wide receiver they've got away. Um, I mean, they still have Ingram. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to go No, 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 there. you're
4: fine. You're, I mean, you're absolutely right. I like, mean, struggle's not strong enough word. I, I agree. But I, I think the point still is good or still stands that – Putting another non-mobile quarterback behind that line, I don't. I think they need to build the line before they get a quarterback here. Unfortunately, um, so really, I think a place that Haskins would actually do okay is some a place like uh, the Washington Redskins because they have a they have a good line. Um, they're more run blocking, but if they're healthy, they have a good line. So I think that Haskins would be able to hold uh be or be held up back there he wouldn't have to move around too much in the pocket um or some b- place like Oakland um that also has a decent line but I think that's that's ultimately what Haskins needs is a good line a good pass blocking line so he doesn't have to be mobile in the pocket
3: yeah I, I totally agree with you stompy I think time is the key thing with Haskins for me, and it's in every aspect of it it's you know he he needs time to to throw the ball he struggles mightily when when pressure gets to him and that's whether it's uh, coming from the interior or the outside he just he does not handle pressure well so he needs time and he also needs He needs a clean pocket because it takes him longer to get rid of the ball. He has a little bit of a hitch in his mechanics. He's a long strider. He doesn't, you know, it's it's not short uh, a short step forward. It's it's kind of a long stride into the ball. So everything just needs time with Dwayne Haskins. That's just kind of where he's at. So I think, you know, for me, it's going to be, you know, I I have a hard time seeing him succeed in an NFL offense. Unless he's given extensive periods of time, I think he's going to get sacked a lot, and that's not always good for a quarterback that you're going to throw in. That's going to be a rookie, you know. Typically, those guys seem to get very gun shy uh, when they have years like that where they get hit a lot, and they want to get rid of the ball quicker, which uh, means they're not going to be going through their reads as often as you would like them to. So, I, I have some long-term concerns with Haskins, especially if he's forced to play right away. I think ideally he ends up in, in you know, like like a, a Washington or, or even. If if he does end up with the Giants, I I think ideally he needs to sit for at least a year, maybe two. And they really got to work on making sure that he can, you know, speed up every aspect of his game, his release, uh, you know, his, his, uh, you know, reading uh, defenses, his being able to go through his reads, his, uh, you know, all all that being able to, to make those adjustments and being able to buy himself some extra time to actually make these throws that, that he's capable of doing. It's just, I I don't know that he's going to have the time to do so uh, if he's thrown in into an NFL, you know, system right away and expected to start, so I think that's going to be ideal for him. Is is finding a landing spot in it? Obviously, all these guys could use that, but I think it's especially concerning for Haskins. With me, um, I think he really is going to need some time to to adjust to the NFL game. So I think his ideal landing spot is going to be in a place that he can sit behind someone for a little bit, and they can make sure that that line is ready for him to start. Well.
1: Oh. I'm probably going about this all wrong because when I looked at some of these uh, incoming quarterbacks, the landing spots that I'm looking at are the quarterbacks who are on the end of their rookie deals – who are going to get a, a big paycheck with their next contract, who have underperformed in terms of success, not necessarily underperformed statistically, but they haven't been able to get their team over the hump. And, and to me, if I was an NFL GM, one of, one of the places where you, can, you have this little arbitrage uh, opportunity is to draft a young quarterback, draft a rookie quarterback, to replace that quarterback who's on a rookie deal, and and someplace like Tampa Bay to me, and I know yeah, I'm going to get beaten about the head and face because there are a lot of Jameis Winston fans, but
4: not you, not here. You're not, not, not going to get I'm that, gonna that here. here. Nope.
1: <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm in good company, uh, but see I can't say anything bad about Jameis on on the Dynasty Dummies because Kyle will come after me. That's one <laughs> of his guys, uh, but but to me having having a year for Haskins to, to season, but also you saw uh, what happened last year with Fitzpatrick, who was an accurate uh, deep ball thrower, an accurate quarterback who needed some time to get the ball out. Well, that to me is, is what Haskins is. I, I think that you put him with a guy like Mike Evans. You put him with Godwin. I, I think that that is a potential to be positive for Haskins and be positive for the Bucs. Because now, going forward, you can spend your money on the, the the fat guys where you really should be spending your money. Offensive line, defensive line, defensive backs, and let that young quarterback you know, with, with the great offensive pieces kind of do his thing. Oh that would uh, be the best landing spot
0: that we, we've come up with. And why why don't we say we just hope Kyle Amari goes there instead
1: of Dwayne Haskins? Because well, I want him better. with the Raiders. I, I give him Antonio <laughs> Brown and let him have some fun. <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. It, especially where quarterbacks, you know, like I, I think people are underrated. Like can we talk expectation? Maybe that's what I'm asking here. Like I think if you get a season like you did out of um Sam Donald or Baker Mayfield, who despite, you know, being in the top five of quarterbacks at this point has still yet to have a top 12 season. Um I think because, you because, did you that know, on purpose, didn't you <laughs> Peter? You did that on purpose. So, if you get a year like that, you're, you know, you're rolling in money. That's the expectation. It's not that they're going to come in and do anything for fantasy. Like us listening to this, like you can't expect anything that you want to start. <laughs> like this is not something to get excited about for 2019 unless something like Tampa Bay would be to happen. And for me, that would mean Kyler Murray would have to be there. Like, the best guy might have that season in the right situation, and that would be good for us. And the second best guy in the best situation might be best for him, and I get that Oakland would be good for Murray, but, I mean, I don't know. That's all I was thinking. If we're talking about fantasy expectations, the only way I can say that one of these guys might be, you know, of interest would be if the guy that we think is the best goes to this and and that's a really good way of looking for, you know, potential landing spots. Zach, I love that, but
2: yeah, I love that. I got that move. I love the process there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
3: I I agree real quick. I agree with Peter. I, you're absolutely right. I don't think if we're looking from a fantasy aspect, I don't think you can expect a whole lot uh, next season from any of these guys. I think you got to hope that long-term you might get, you know, a middle of the road starting quarterback, which again, isn't something that you're going to be jumping for joy at, you know, if you get an Andy Dalton out of this class, you're not, you know, going to be doing backflips or anything. But uh, I I think that's kind of a realistic expectation is if I hit on one of these guys, I might get a mid-level, you know, starting quarterback in a super flex league that that could help me out. That could, that could be something that could be an asset. So no, I think expectation is, is important here with this class, kind of knowing, you know, what, what you could be getting, you know, I, I don't think any of us think that there's a, a Russell Wilson or a Cam Newton in this class. But, if you, you know, if you can get someone that's serviceable in a, in a Superflex or 2QB, well you, you know, it's still going to be an asset for you. It's just don't expect it right away.
0: Yeah, it's just it's something I do with tight end. And um, frankly, if I can't find yeah. anything to really rest my hat on um, in terms of predictiveness or something that I can really get excited about, this might have signal. This might tell me this player is going to be better than others then instead of trying to play, you know, fortune teller, because you guys are doing all this intelligent work about finding better things about quarterback, and I'm just striking out. So instead, I'm going to play it like tight end, and instead of playing and um, predict the future, I'm going to play the position. In fact, I'm going to play my, my league mates. And it's like, you can't get Baker Mayfield now, but you, you can pretty much get Sam Donald still. And he had a good rookie year. And the same is true with um, tight ends where... People's expectations are just out of whack for both of those positions, pretty much. And so I'll take the guy drafted inside the top ten this year that doesn't have all the hype built around him by next off season. That's the guy I want. <laughs> like I, I I don't know for NFL, but for fantasy, there's if one of if Haskins does that, then I'm gonna target him. Like I wasn't high on Mitch Trubisky either. Um, but everyone fell on his expectation because the team made a stupid trade. Um, And so his value dropped, even though he was drafted significantly high in the NFL draft. And that's the guy I ended up trading for or wanting on teams where I had a need at that position, not because I thought I could predict it just because that didn't make sense. So if I can't predict the position, I'm going to try and play the position. And I think that's the way to go with these guys. Like, I want Murray. And if you want Murray, you're going to have to draft him this year because everyone knows that. (laughs) Um, But Haskins might be a guy you can pick up next year as long as he doesn't, you know, um, have uh, Patrick Mahomes' second season in his first season, which, like, like I say, is really, really unlikely. Then Haskins is a guy you can
1: probably pick up later. But that's all dependent on what happens in the draft, obviously. I've never seen Haskins throw throw a ball behind his back. So he's probably we're there you nowhere go. near Mahomes. <laughs> we're all good. <laughs>
3: Peter, you're gonna have to stick with us, man. We got one more quarterback to talk about, and then it's on. Oh, the, <laughs> <other positions>.
0: That's <laughs> it. I've said it all. I've got it all out,
3: man. That's all I know. But, but this is this is my my top guy in in the uh, in the in the class. So if you don't mind, John, I'm gonna go ahead and transition. We're gonna talk yeah, about I mean, Drew Locke yeah. a little bit. Um, and, and Drew Locke is a guy who who is kind of a polarizing ass, uh, prospect here at the quarterback position. So, guys, if you guys wanna wanna comment on what your feelings are for Drew Walk and where you think he might fit. Um, fit best, and and where he might fit worst, you know. If if you have a spot that you just think he would he would really struggle in, um, what what's your guys' thought about Drew Walk? He's a a strange guy
1: to watch for me because he's better. He seems to focus more when he's in trouble, uh, and and so if he gets flushed out of the pocket and he's you know being chased by a defender, he seems to hit receivers you know be more accurate which is the complete opposite of what you'd think and then when he has time to sit there and survey the field sometimes it's almost paralysis by analysis where he takes a little extra time uh to to survey the field and and sometimes will end up behind receivers i do think he's got a huge arm uh i i guess to me, and this may be cliche, but the best landing spot I can think of is, is Denver for him and pair him with Sutton. And just, man, throw it up for Sutton, let him go, and, and have some fun with that.
2: I'm so glad it.
3: you said that. I, because I hate it I, a lot. I, I hate it out. a lot.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, two Bronco fans over here who are uh, pretty sick of, of seeing us draft just the biggest quarterback in the class. <laughs> there's There has to be a better metric.
1: Uh, I think I think uh, height probably is not the not the end all be all. Peter, do you have uh, like a, an expect, expected value for height? Is that uh, we, we good? No? That,
2: that might be the one that uh, that you're missing. Yeah. <laughs> well, well no, I could tell you. No, I could, I
3: don't. <laughs> I I could tell you this much: if they were taking the tallest quarterback in this draft, Tyree Jackson would be a Denver Bronco because that guy's a monster. <laughs> He's huge, but. Uh, he's, real quick. He's,
4: hold on. He's Paxton Lynch 2.0. And I could see John. Owen uh,
3: yeah. I I'd say, I, and it's funny that you, you, uh, you mentioned that Zach because I, I had a, a really good landing spot being Denver as well. I, I definitely think Drew Locke has, has good size, strong arm. He's got that plus athleticism too. And some of the teams that I think he fits in Denver is one of them. And I think Washington would be another one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I don't, I I don't know how I feel about how he would succeed in Washington, but I could see somebody like Jay Gruden having some interest in him. Uh, It it just seems like Washington's going to be in the quarterback market. I I don't think you can count on Alex Smith long-term, and I don't think they have a long-term option on that team. I could see them being in the the market, and I think Drew Watt kind of fits what they would want to do. I think they like stretching the field. I think ideally – Gruden would like to stretch the field a little bit, and Drew Lock has the arm strength to be able to do that, and he can work off a play action. If that running game is working like it should, with with you know if Geis is healthy, uh, I I could see him I could see him being okay there. I just don't. Again, I I don't think any of these quarterbacks is going to step into a situation year one and be very good. Uh, so I think he he'll probably struggle if he has to start right away. But if he doesn't, if they have Case Keenum in play, and they can let Lock sit for a year. I think that would benefit him. And I think that might be a decent spot for him.
4: My issue with Locke is, and I think this just builds on Zach's point is that he gets really lazy with his footwork and he Hmm. starts to rely on his arm strength. And I've seen some comparisons to Patrick Mahomes just in, in in the terms of arm strength and quote unquote arm talent, um, because he can throw from multiple slots with strength, but he also doesn't have the control of that, of throwing out of those different slots that Mahomes has. He sometimes just throws it out of a different slot for no reason whatsoever. Um, and, and I think I agree with Zach is once he gets on the run, he can throw off platform very well and he's got fantastic arm strength. And maybe it's just one of those points where he doesn't have to think about anything and he just uses it in his instincts. So that's my issue is that he starts to get lazy with his footwork in the pocket, Um, and that's probably a teachable thing, but there's a lot of – we'll call it hubris in terms of what he believes he can do with his arm, that he makes some very poor decisions. Um, And I I think he could probably learn, especially under a big-arm quarterback like Joe Flacco. I just don't want it. I I really don't (laughs) want to strike out on another uh, quarterback like that.
2: Well, so let's we can put a bow on the quarterback position here by making things a little bit actionable for those doing their uh super flex rookie drafts, or you know, with the with them coming up anyways. Kind of what to look for here. So, you know, obviously there's no Saquon Barkley in this draft class. That certainly not at the running back position. I, I don't I don't know how you how you guys are viewing Nikhil Harry. I mean, is he is he and, and we'll get to the wide receivers, but you know, if 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 he's if he's landing spot dependent or not, um, but so no, I, no, go ahead.
0: As long as he's drafted in the first three rounds, he's a one point oh one for me. Okay. It's not really dependent on very much. Even in superflex.
2: Uh no, I take Murray there. As long as he gets drafted in the first round, really, yeah. Okay, so it and so that so that's kind of what i'm hearing is it sounds like murray is a little bit draft capital compen- dependent and uh, you know less less landing spot more draft capital and uh haskins yeah, and is probably more landing spot correct
0: that that's only in there to like cover my butt right if nikhil harry like drops to the 7th round i'm not taking him 1.01 because that's because I won't have to, but he'll probably still be my (laughs) (laughs) 1.01, if that makes sense. Um, The the third round thing, there's just, you know, to cover the fact that the draft is never predictable. Like, there's not much that can change my opinion on him as being the best prospect. Whether he'll be the best player, I don't know. But the easiest to reject is being good in the NFL. There's really no competition from any other position even. Um, And the same's true with Murray. And so with Superflex, I don't mind you going quarterback. Because it's super flex, but um, yeah, so both of them are just they just need the bare minimum of what we expect uh, in the draft, so it's not really even a draft capital dependent, it's just you know, just in case something crazy happens outside of that. Everyone is, I think, this class is more landing spot dependent even than draft capital dependent outside of that, um. Does that make sense, Zach? What do you think of that one?
1: Yeah, when when Will Greer goes uh, in the second round to the Pats, uh, everything's going to be right, on head right. anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. Okay, okay. So, yeah, let's let's
2: make this a little bit actionable then. In terms of a super flex rookie draft, so it's not, Peter, it sounds like you've got Murray at 101. I'm curious where everybody else has him and what it would take to knock him out of that spot. And then Haskins, where does he go roughly? Um, where do you push him up to in the best case scenario? And uh where does he fall to if if he slips in the NFL draft or goes to a spot where we know he's not gonna see the field anytime real soon?
0: Yeah, and um, the only thing that could really like, I, it, it's team and league dependent, right? I don't Murray has some concerns. Um he, he's he's one of the better quarterback prospects but he's not andrew luck right he's not locked in in that regard so th- there are some things that could knock him out of the 1.01 on a super flex but for me that would be like harry landing in packer country or indianapolis or you know screw it the pats <laughs> if, if harry <laughs> lands somewhere that oh, just gross. makes you salivate yeah there, there you go <laughs> hmm. that that i would probably lean that way in every draft um as it is I'd, I'm still happy leaning Harry in a Superflex draft just cuz well like we were talking about unless Tampa Bay gets really smart like Zach um or even Tennessee to follow on from his logic there <laughs> um then uh, easy with that I none of the landing spots outside of Zach's brilliant idea so you know an NFL team should go hire Zach um <laughs> outside of that kind of thing I just, none of these landing spots seem great I was trying to get excited about the the Dolphins for a second there. That's how bad it's getting. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah,
2: none of them there. I mean, Washington probably has the, the clearest path to him getting on the field, but I don't know how how Washington moves up from, you know, what are they, 14, 15? I don't know how they how they move up that far. All yeah, Washington
0: isn't a, isn't a bad idea. I, I was going to say I like that pick of yours too, but even Washington, like it does not... There's no one there that would excite me. Um, And I don't mean they need a good receiving core. They need a good running back. I just mean the team is not good. And, like, I can put a metric on it if you want, but, like, the reason most quarterbacks are good or good for fantasy, even in a super flex league, beyond average, right? So outside of trading for Andy Dalton, which is probably the move most years, or Cam Newton, who's always undervalued, the only thing that really makes me go for a rookie quarterback, even in Superflex, is something like Patrick Mahomes. It's something like Sam Donald, someone who I think can be Above average, if not much above average landing in one of those juicier landing spots like New York Jets might not seem like a juicier landing spot But I've had my eye on them for a while. I think they've been making some smart moves hmm. and Andy Reid the these X factors can really make an explosive o- Offense and I, like say outside of Zach's idea. I don't see that for any quarterbacks this year well,
1: and, and that and ref- makes reframing Sorry. this to no no reframing this to fantasy for me uh, Murray's got to be my one-on-one in a superflex, even if I don't believe that he's the one-on-one, because it, inevitably drafts are the cheapest you're ever going to get a quarterback in a superflex league. So if you're in a startup, that's the cheapest the quarterbacks are ever going to be. So uh, you know I tend to stack them up uh, toward the the middle late rounds, and all of a sudden you get offers of first round picks for you know, quarterbacks who you don't even need. The same thing with rookie drafts. If you've got the one-on-one, you're either taking Kyler Murray and trading him for a bounty, or you're trading the one-on-one. And in this class, hell, there are probably five or six guys that split the difference, like whatever. It it doesn't really make too much difference to me who I've got. So if you can trade back and gain value either, and this is – John Bosch is going to get mad at me because I said this a couple of weeks ago, and he's like, what does that mean, trade back? What are you getting? But if you can trade back and get either uh, a first-round pick next year or if you can add a veteran uh, to staying in the first round, now all of a sudden you've got some serious value accruing just because you took a quarterback, whether you believe in him or not.
0: That Yeah, that, that's a good way to make it actionable, and what I said actionable, that's the exact – Playing the position as yeah. Zach is doing yeah. there, um, I would say if you can get Andy Dalton even plus, or you can get Cam Newton for the one point oh one, then do that. If not, take Kyler Murray and do that later. <laughs> um, was the way to go. <laughs> like, does anyone else like? I, I was thinking like I'm recording, not to you know. Hi, Jackie your podcast here, but I meant to be recording with Jake earlier, and I have to come up with ideas because between us, we can't make a decision, so we struggle to come up with ideas. Um, but I was thinking about talking about players, that mark the line between where you would trade a draft pick and where you wouldn't. Like, who is that player for you? For me, Cam Newton is an easy, yes, please. I'd trade the 1.01, the super flex. If I was going to draft Kyler Murray with that pick um, straight away. Um, Andy Dalton, I'd need something, but, but you know that starter level, i o- also is a line for me. I'll trade the one point oh one if I'm going to take Kyler Murray. If I can get something with Andy Dalton, and um, does anyone else have better quarterbacks that you prefer on those lines? For me, it's Newton and Dalton,
4: like I say. I mean, looking at my top ten, <clears throat> no, like I would, I would take my top ten over Murray, Kirk. Cur- currently and that includes baker mayfield everybody so settle down i don't hate him that much um, yeah, do. You
3: hate.
0: well that that's I the thing him. is there a guy like that should be it's probably likely uh, to be a starting quarterback who wouldn't put in your top 10 because it's not fun like you're not going to put andy right. dalton in your top 10 right. but you know you're probably going to get more or less what you need from him, right so is there someone like that
2: so it's not andy Dalton. <laughs> Kind of a couple names that I would think would be right around that that border, that kind of that cutoff would be Dak Prescott, Jimmy Garoppolo. I would take both of those guys. For, See, I put for the 101.
0: Yeah, I I, I would I'd put my, I'd put something with the one point oh one to get Dak Prescott. At this point, he's in my yeah. Top I would right too.
4: Yeah. Um, I Jameis Winston maybe since we're gonna hate on Jameis Winston this podcast. <laughs>
0: oh, that'd be tough. Uh.
4: Yeah, I mean that seems to be kind of that line for me, J- Jameis Winston cool. area, mm-hmm.
3: Mariota area too. Oh yeah, dude,
4: Mariota's way back there.
3: Mm-hmm. God, he's terrible. But you'd trade the one point oh
4: one for him? Oh no, I would not. Okay. <laughs> uh,
2: here we go. This is yes. going to be just this ongoing thing. All right, we 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 can't get. We can't get into the weeds on that one this week. We, we <laughs> enough of that on Twitter. Enough of that last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's an interesting conversation, and uh, uh, we actually uh, on on my other podcast, FF Statistics, we kind of we we tried to go position by position and break down the players. You know, who's worth you know four firsts, who's worth mm-hmm. three firsts all the way down and uh and i do think that it's it's somewhere around you know mid-range wider or quarterback two in a super flex is is ultimately what what we landed on that that's kind of the cutoff for you know straight up for 101 so who's the name in that area for you again i think garoppolo is probably there um off the top of my head um
0: I'd probably need something with Garoppolo myself, but.
2: Really? For for one yeah. one.
0: Yeah. I mean, he hasn't actually played a full season yet, so.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, But we know he's got a role, you know. And we well, know.
0: yeah, we know he has a role, but so does Kyler Murray. You know, I have no way to really <laughs> well, judge that, who's going to be better.
2: That's the thing. We, I don't know if we know that part yet. Um,
0: well, we will by the time of a rookie draft, I'm guessing. Unless you're some kind of heathen that drafts before the
2: NFL. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, don't do that by the way. But um <laughs> yeah, but people do that and they should not. Don't do uh, that. uh yeah, guys in that area for for sure uh Prescott, um Lamar Jackson, uh I probably
0: would take Murray.
2: <laughs> really? Oh. Yeah, I
0: really would um it, like I prefer Jackson over um Josh Allen? Forgot his name because I'm trying to forget his name. <laughs> but that's because they have the same problem, but everyone's putting value on Josh Allen. So i just take the cheaper one. Um, like, I, I like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Yes,
4: I got somebody to like Lamar Jackson. Boom.
2: Does he get credit for that?
0: Yeah, oh, no. sure. Sure. You don't have
2: to. <laughs> okay.
0: He convinced me with his silence. Um. <laughs> Zach, do you have anyone? I'm looking for other suggestions. Like, I can't keep saying Andy Dalton. Everyone's getting to get tired of it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you have Andy Dalton ahead of of Jimmy Garoppolo and Dak Prescott?
0: No, I have Dak Prescott in the top ten, pretty pretty easily. Um, I, I, yeah, I probably have Garoppolo pretty near to Dalton. I can look. I got Superflex ranking
2: somewhere. Oh yeah, we we've got to talk about that at some point in this show too. But yeah, uh, let's get some some names from from James
1: and Zach. Oh man. I I, I I don't know. I am so bad. I'm I'm going on uh with uh with Dynasty Outhouse here in a couple of weeks because I have a trading problem and it's that I suck at trading.
3: <laughs> it's tough, man.
1: And uh <laughs> And, and so I, I don't know. I, I'm probably. I mean, I'm right in that area. I mean, you're looking at guys like, uh, like Roethlisberger, who are coming up toward the end of their careers. I mean, I, I'd get rid of Derek Carr all day because I don't like him. But I, <laughs> but but I, I mean, he's productive-ish for fantasy, especially in a in a super flex league. I mean, but what didn't you like about Carr, by the way, Zach? Was it his country
0: album? Did that just not hit all the numbers for you? Or-
1: yeah, no, I don't, he just, <laughs> I don't know. He, uh, all right. So I, I've uh, been an Amari Cooper fan since he came into the league. Right. And I've watched people say, you know, it was Amari Cooper's fault that Derek Carr was bad. I watched Derek Carr for his first four years have two uh, fewer 4,000-yard uh, seasons than Ryan Tannehill. This year, he he had one. I mean, that's fine. I'll give him that. So now he's only one behind Tannehill because Tannehill sat out this year. Uh, but I also watched Derek Carr and and watch him have three separate receivers who led the league in drops. And eventually, to me, maybe that's on a quarterback. I mean, if okay. three different guys are dropping the ball, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a basketball player, baseball player, and I was always a point guard. And if I throw the ball 300 miles an hour off the the center's hands out of bounds, he missed the ball, but it's still my fault. And I, I think there's a lot of that with Derek with Derek Carr, in spite of the fact that he produces for fantasy. I, I don't think he's a great NFL quarterback. That's interesting because Amari Cooper has always been one of my
0: positives for Derek Carr in that he did support <laughs> two top 24 wide receivers with a crab tree, and that was a positive, but. Yeah, I, I like Amari Cooper a lot, too. And um, to answer the other question, by the way, I've got Dalton at QB25 and Jimmy Garoppolo at QB22 in my Superflex rankings. So.
2: Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we definitely have to talk with you about your rankings. <laughs> <laughs> we need to Bring work it. through this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, James, give us uh, some quarterbacks you would trade the 101 straight up for.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell you real quick. I think it's for me kind of in the range of a Mitchell Trubisky, Matthew Stafford range, and and for me that's that they're kind of pretty close in my rankings, and I I value some of the older guys a little bit more just because I know what I'm going to get with them, and even if it is only for two three seasons with Big Ben, with Breeze, with Brady, uh, I, I can count on getting fantasy production there with the 1.01 or with Kyler Murray. I don't know. You know, you're really shooting on upside, and I'd almost rather just draft a quarterback next year, uh, to be honest. But if if I have to to kind of to kind of quantify, you know, to to put it in in perspective on who I would give, I think it would be it would be someone in that caliber, probably a Mitchell Trubisky or a a Matthew Stafford in that range for me.
0: That's a good name. Stafford's a good name because
2: everyone's lost their mind with him.
4: <laughs> Not me. Peter, not me.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, I, th- I think that that gives quite a bit of, uh, of, of analysis and context just on the rookies, uh, you know, and as far as uh, the quarterbacks, anyways, as far as where they're going to kind of land. Um, we also want to be respectful of you guys' time a little bit. So we'll move on to some other positions, even though we could talk about that for days but uh so let's move on to the running backs though and we really only have two of them mentioned here although i know that there there there's some there's some other guys out there that uh that you know that that this particular panel is uh is high on especially Mm -hmm. in the right landing spot but i mean the the, uh, the two consensus top running backs are david montgomery and josh jacobs so i'm wondering How what it would take to to get, you know, one of those two ahead of the other in, you know, as far as landing spot goes. Uh, So I kind of want to hear from you guys about some landing spots for these guys. This is also something we talked about this off air. We've talked about this quite a bit on on this podcast. And I know that the dummies have also talked about this, Zach, Um, very recently, in fact, uh, your your episode that came out today. As we're record- <laughs> on the day that we're recording, uh, you you guys went into quite a bit of detail on this. But there's there's a bubble of running backs. It's about to burst where <laughs> these these running backs are, you know, they're they're going to land on rosters and they're going to push for playing time. And it, it kind of doesn't matter who's ahead of them anymore because we're just kind of running out of spots on nfl depth charts for you know running back fluff you know that the replacement level guys are becoming david montgomery and josh jacobs so you know so, so i think that that's a little bit of important context here
1: yeah we we call that the the kind of a sat, oversaturation point where yeah. you you've had so many running backs that are so good come in for the last four or five years that you you're you know all of a sudden you're cracking the top 12 running backs is quite a feat because the top 12 has moved to such a high uh, the, uh such a high score uh in fantasy and the same thing with with guys coming in is where do you put them? And then when they land, are they taking over? I mean, you talk about David Montgomery. If he lands in Kansas City, Damian Williams is in trouble. But also, that's a spot where you could see a guy like like Montgomery because he's got really good vision and he's very good in the passing game, even though he's not necessarily fast. He's not necessarily creating for himself. That's a spot to me that bumps him up. and even and I know that Chicago just got Mike Davis and everybody's excited about that. but even a place like Chicago, it's it's these uh, these spots with kind of uh, not not necessarily younger but more uh, in intuitive, more kind of ingenious head coaches that are that are looking to uh, use a player for their skill set instead of uh, you know use a player. As a piece in their offense if that makes sense uh and, and so like those those two places to me really really would bump montgomery and there there are a few others but but those two stand out
4: notice you named the two andy reed based coaching systems yeah. there oh certainly <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
4: um yeah I, I agree as uh basically like david montgomery I think there's been a lot of comparisons with Kareem Hunt. Um, so I think he fits in perfectly for what the Chiefs want to do and obviously the uh, Bears under Matt Nagy. Um, I think the other one that's very intriguing and what and you guys mentioned on Dynasty Dummies is Tampa Bay. Yeah, um, Arians obviously had that season with David Johnson, knows how to use that pass catching back. He also had... Um, I believe Lev Bell for a couple of seasons with Pittsburgh. So he knows how to use that pass catching back. And if a guy like Montgomery or, or Jacobs um, as many questions as I have, but we, we do know that Jacobs can catch the ball. I mean, he's arguably one of the best pass catchers in this draft in terms of running backs, but you get him with Bruce Arians. And I think that's a, a perfect match.
3: Yeah, I think it's interesting with Montgomery. I, th- I think you guys you guys kind of nailed it. I see a similar skill set to Kareem Hunt. I think that he does he doesn't always run as hard. Um, you know, inside as what I saw with Hunt on film. Hunt seemed to always be falling forward, uh, but I think David Montgomery has a little bit more elusiveness and a little bit quicker a foot. So, uh, but I, I think their playing styles are similar. I could see like an, uh, an in zone an an inside zone running scheme being. Um, where he would fit best. And I really like Kansas City and Chicago. I think both those spots really work. Uh, Tampa Bay, I'm I'm not going to comment on because my, my Rojo love just won't allow me to. Uh, but I, real quick, I do want to comment on Josh Jacobs, a guy who I think would really benefit in a system like Oakland. Um, That that would be a team that I could see him fitting in very well. Um, I I could see them running a lot of power schemes and working off a play action uh, with Antonio Brown there and kind of utilizing Derek Carr's strengths. I also think that he could be a nice check down option too in the passing game. So Jacobs is a guy who I think really has a lot. I mean, I, I could see him moving up a lot or moving down a lot based on landing spot more so than a guy like Montgomery, um, obviously opportunity is going to be a big thing. If someone, you know, if any of these guys get drafted behind a guy that you just don't think opportunity is going to be there for a while, it, it can move any of them up, you know, uh, any of them down that list. But I think Josh Jacobs really has to find that system more so than Montgomery, uh, just because of, of his playing style, he's got to find a, a someone, a, a team that's going to really utilize him between the tackles and allow him to be a power runner because that's really where he, uh where he excelled at Alabama. So I could see him really either, you know, being, being more boom or bust uh, depending on landing spot than some other guys.
1: I'd, I'd love to see, and this just kind of came to me off the top of my head, listening to you talk, but I, I haven't heard this. I'd like to see Josh Jacobs in Baltimore. You've got Ingram there, uh, but you've also seen Ingram split touches you've seen Jacobs being a backfield where he was productive splitting touches, and then you've got potential eventually for Jacobs to take over the backfield in a year or two. Plus you've got Lamar Jackson there. Who's really kind of spreading that defense thin, creating some holes. And you've seen Jacobs be able to create uh, for himself with, with those cuts. I mean, I know he didn't test well, but on film, he cuts as well as anybody in this class, better than anybody in this class. And so that just that seemed to me to be an, an interesting spot.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, before the Mark Ingram signing, that was that was my number one landing spot for Josh Jacobs. But you still bring up a really good point that you know, not only could he split carries and benefit in, in that system being as run heavy as it is, you could you could sustain two running backs, you know, for a year. And even though Mark Ingram signed a three-year deal in Baltimore, you know, only f- uh, less than – I think it's a half a million that's guaranteed if they were to cut him after the 2019 season. So, I mean, there's not a lot they, – they wouldn't lose a lot there um, as far as cap space goes. So so they they could do that. They could move on from Mark Ingram if they find a guy like Josh Jacobs and they're comfortable, you know, letting that guy be be the bell cow. They wouldn't have to, to you know – keeping Ingram around for the full three years. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a really good landing spot too. I would like to see that. Uh, I think Oakland's another, uh, a, another one, and even, uh, you know, Buffalo, if they decide to move on from LaShawn McCoy, <laughs> run a very similar system, I think those those a spot like that would really benefit Josh Jacobs. But if you see him going to a place like Indy, you know where he's going to compliment Marlon Mack, I just I I could see that being a disaster. I could see him uh, really plummeting, you know, his value plummeting if he ends up in a spot like that. So uh, he, he's going to be really dependent. To me, again, for, with landing spot, I think his his draft capital can vary the most um, in in uh, in rookie drafts, you know, for fantasy. Um, yeah, depending on landing spot. So I try pretty hard to wear a toupee
2: when it comes to the rookies as long as I can. But ultimately, my, my ignorance shines through. So I want you guys to explain to me like I'm five because I have a hard time understanding this rookie, this running back class in particular as far as how this is going to go. So one of the things I'm wondering about, I, I mean, just kind of uh, let's start with this. A, a quick one-word answer. What's the best landing spot for a, for a rookie running back to land in?
1: Are we saying Baltimore? It, it's a, It's a two-word answer. I think it's either Tampa
3: Bay or Oakland. Okay. I would I'll, say Kansas City for me.
4: Yeah, I, I agree with James. If I, I think but, if yeah. they if they grab a rookie, let's say, in the second or third, I think it's Kansas City.
0: That's just kind of cheating, though.
4: Hey, you, <laughs> know, you know, Peter. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Tell me. I don't. Shit. But you're still. <laughs> so
0: you're saying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Consider me told, man. <laughs> Consider me told. <laughs> you got them all flustered. I've never seen that. Good job, Peter.
2: tongue-tied yeah that's a new one um so but you're saying that there there could be some draft capital involved there you know kansas city the the caveat there is they've got to go running back relatively early like day two i
1: mean i mean yes but not necessarily like i think to me for running backs it's more of the landing spot than it is necessarily the capital I mean, okay. o- obviously the capital invested, you have uh, more opportunity, but I, I do think that the landing spot for me for running backs is more important than the draft capital, and it's the other way around for me for receivers where because they're, uh, there's a little more longevity to the position, I, I'm a lot more interested in – what the NFL thinks, so draft capital, and what I think of them in terms of a, a skill set because I think there's a lot more time for them to kind of grow into their role, whereas a running back, and I've said this on on the Dynasty Dummies, but a, a running back is expected to hit the ground moving forward and, and producing. And, and I don't think you have that same expectation with a receiver.
0: I almost have... <sighs> A, a different opinion. I almost have a different opinion um in that uh, where running back is so opportunity dependent, it's much more draft capital dependent. Like the Arian Foster's, Devontae Freeman's, these guys can hide the fact that most running backs are entirely volume dependent, even the really good ones. um And to break into the top 12, you pretty much have to be drafted in the first to third round, really in the first round. And that's painful to me to say. I don't want to be pro draft capital. I want good players to break out no matter where they're drafted. But just because of the limitations of the position, the NFL kind of has a stranglehold on guys aren't they're, they're not high on. If they give volume to someone, they tend to be good, unless they're Bishop Sankey. And um, so, <laughs>
2: um,
0: more often than not, like the ones that just makes me appreciate the players and how many of them there must be that are really good, but don't get that opportunity because of the Aaron Fosters of the world. Those guys really, we really have to res- uh, respect that. Like Devonte Freeman right now is someone that's being disrespected by ADP. And it might not happen because opportunity is everything, but to break out from where he came from means a a whole lot about what he's capable of and also says something good about the coaching staff being able to recognize talent and overcome draft capital and their own bias. And But with wide receiver, because it's a longer-term position, and frankly, because I think um, the, there's a there's a limit that volume can do for you at the wide receiver position, that just because you draft someone highly and throw them targets, more often those guys that can't hack it are still n- are not going to be able to put up numbers. And more so than running back, and so I almost feel a little opposite in that um, the NFL in the NFL RB is so opportunity dependent that the opinion of the teams matters more because that's who they give the volume to. It takes a lot to overcome that for running backs, um, but you know, with Kansas City, they've shown themselves a time themselves time and again willing to give it to the player who's got the talent. Um, and they have a dynamic offense and a creative offense. And so a player that's drafted in the third or fourth round doesn't scare me nearly as much. In fact, it never scares me. But um, anyone that goes to the, the Chiefs is obviously going to be interesting. Outside of that, um, it, it's whoever's going to give them volume, right? Um, it didn't work out yet. It will. It will with Rashad Penny, and um, but teams that like to rush, teams that are going to hand um, more work to one player, the best landing spots. Baltimore, to me, looked like a pretty good landing spot off the top of my head um, as well. I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head, but Baltimore occurred to me.
2: <laughs> and that's kind of where things get tough, I think. Uh, it, it almost feels like you know it's time for us to start rethinking about this a little bit kind of shifting our strategy just based on you know like we were talking about earlier with the running back bubble (coughs) because I, i mean the you know the 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 old saying goes volume is king that's that's the that's the approach that we take in fantasy football but the problem is what happens when there's there's not a whole lot of volume available to a rookie running back you know kind of regardless of where they go kansas city you still have you know, two strong veterans ahead of you, um, you know, Baltimore, you still got Mark. Do you Ugram. really
0: though? When, when did Damian Williams become a strong veteran? I'm sorry. We've been recognizing forever that Kansas city is a dream spot for a running back. Uh-huh. Damian Williams was been kicked around the league. No one on your fantasy league wanted him. And now suddenly he's a wily veteran <laughs> who knows what to do. I mean, well, yeah, come he's, on. He's, can we all stop trying to get he's, it right in hindsight? He's got a job, I mean, though. you can't get it right in hindsight. But yeah, well, <laughs> you did not like him before. Now let's not pretend he's always been secret. Well, and weird. I still, I well, still don't uh, like him, but I,
2: I acknowledge that he's I'm got sorry. a job. Yeah, of course, that's fine. And, right. and, and <laughs> I don't, I'm not. And, and what it's going to take is to come in and, for a rookie you have to come in and not only get by Carlos Hyde, but also Damian Williams. Now I I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out on any kind of limb and say, you know, the degree of difficulty that that's going to be, I I don't know. You know, I I have no idea how this offensive coaching staff, you know, how, how loyal they're going to be to Damian Williams. I don't know, but I, I, there's some loyalty there. I mean, we, there has to be, you know, they, they gave him. Yeah. He did well last year. I'm not taking anything away that he could be the guy,
0: of course, but I just mm-hmm. like don't be afraid of being wrong, man. I'm not gonna judge you. I'm wrong like nine times out of ten, <laughs> and that tenth time is when I win. Really? And that's that's the game. Like, uh, the people aren't gonna judge you, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really Oh, they will, and that's the fun. I don't know, one or the other. <laughs> like, I can't state how strongly I was wrong about Damian Wilms. I had no idea he was a Wiley veteran who could do this or that the landing spot was so good that it could make someone like Damian Williams do it. But I mean, I'm someone who's been carrying a torch for Robert Turbin and still kind of has a, a little <laughs> hope that he might one day break out because. That's the thing about running backs. I mean, Robert Terman seriously hits all the numbers that we're talking about making a running back good. Had decent receiving work, great measurables, good athleticism. Mm-hmm. Bad. I-, I mean, that's the problem with the position. Anything that you like about a running back in the NFL doesn't really matter a whole lot. It's about volume and some other factor um, well, it's- that we can't yet quite put a finger on because efficiency for running backs is just a joke it doesn't exist it's a myth
1: it's it's volume and landing spot
0: peter it's it's volume and landing spot and and this which means we don't know anything we need to know about these running backs yet no but you can kind of
1: you can kind of guess the the landing spot and this is this is why again i'm i'm back to this and and you and i are going to go back and forth but you know you you know the top five uh, PPR running backs last year. I mean, you know, you had Barkley, McCaffrey, Gurley, Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott, but then you start getting down into guys who weren't drafted. highly. you get into guys like James Conner, you get into guys like mm-hmm. James White. Uh, I'll even give you David Johnson. He was the third round pick. Uh, I'll, I'll give him you but I'm going to take Kareem, uh, Kareem Hunt. I'm going to take Kareem, uh, Tariq Cohen. I, I'm going to take Philip Lindsay, Kenyon Drake, Chris Carson. I mean, all of these guys are, not high draft picks, but they ended up in really good landing spots. And that that to me, again, we're, we're back to running back is a position of opportunity and it's instant opportunity. It's quick opportunity. It's they've got to have something if you're not drafted highly, you've got to have something break right. But I still want the running backs who I think are good, who land in a good spot over a guy who – maybe got drafted highly but ended up behind somebody like Todd Gurley or i mean that that sort of thing
0: i hope you're right i hope it's becoming more like wide receiver maybe this is a new trend but birds eye viewing it like all of those names are like in the last year too yeah right? but they're, and they're if also you bird's eye catchers. view that that's the exact opposite of what happens over a long i hope this is new that the nfl is turning to good players that they got deeper in the draft or not in the draft at all. But you know, uh, if you look past 18 years, a track record, the NFL has not been good doing that. And I do believe that you're right. There's many players like that that once turned to can really put up the numbers. Um, and I hope the NFL keeps doing that is what I'm saying. But if they go back to their hmm. tendencies over a longer period of time, they haven't been doing that. Like the, the deepest name I know from outside the last few years is Arian Foster, right?
1: Yeah, and and, And, but I I hope you're right. I also think that part of that is the shift toward pass catching running backs, which I love. I mean, this is a this is a great thing for your PPR leagues because all all of a sudden, you know, James White is the the running back seven, uh, and, and he's not even the best running back on his team, but he's a running back seven in PPR, and he's undervalued. and And there are a lot of these type of guys. This is part of the reason why I love this class. This class Mm -hmm. is much deeper than people think. People are looking at that high end. They're looking for a Barkley. They're looking for a Zeke. And they're not seeing the fact that there are 8 or 10 or 12 guys who are coming in in this class who have multiple seasons over 20 catches in college, which is a, a benchmark for me. 20 catches is a pretty good indicator that the NFL, even if they're not creative, is going to throw you the ball. And that's, those are points.
3: Yeah. One of the things I kind of want to bring up too, because you guys were kind of mentioning draft capital and to me, draft capital is important, especially right away. You know, initially it gives you, you know, you kind of know what a team, how a team feels about a player, how they value a player based upon, you know, what, what they spent to get him. Right. So that That makes sense to me. But after a couple years, to me, it matters an awful lot less. And the reason being is because you start to get a track record of what that player is. And that, to me, is more important than what they spent in draft capital, especially because we're seeing now that the, I mean, NFL front offices are are turning over at a mm-hmm. record pace. And you know you you get a new a new, you know, a new front office, a new coach. And, you know, they're saddled with guys that weren't their guys, quote unquote. So, you know, to me, that draft capital means a lot early on. But, you know, after a couple of seasons, you can look at the stats and you can (laughs) kind of know, all right, this and, and there's obviously there's a lot of outliers to it. And you have to look deeper than, you know, just just looking at the surface. But. On the surface, you can kind of get a little bit of a better idea of what a player is or how their usage is, as opposed to, you know, what did they spend on him two years ago in the draft. So to me, that's the only caveat for draft capital is the further we get away from their draft, the less I think that that matters, if that makes sense.
0: Can I just head in for a second before I forget it? Um, I really like Zach's number of catches in so many seasons idea because there really are no like, advanced metrics. I've been using receptions per game in my models and also um, share of receiving work, which struggles with running back because of the nature of where they get the ball. But all of that aside, there are six running backs I've got in my database right now Um, from this class that have two or more seasons with over twenty catches, that's so James Williams, David in no particular order, James Williams, David Montgomery, Trayvon Williams, Alexander Madison. Daryl Henderson and Mike Weber. And I also want to do a writing candidate for Miles Sanders, who played behind Barkley all but one year. So that doesn't seem fair. And I think those are probably the more interesting names for Zach and me, or definitely me. Um, I'm not going to speak for Zach, but all of those names come up. I also like some of these guys with only one uh, season that reached that limit because they got over 30 in one, like Justice Hill. He had a 30-catch season. Um, and so that, that's another name I'd add to the list. I can't see anyone else right now with uh, over 30 catches, so just Justice Hill. Um So I just thought I'd throw out that list if we're looking for the deeper names. Maybe that's one way to isolate them.
1: Yeah, I, I think exactly. I mean, that was the – I had a – and I haven't redone it for this past year, But but from 2014 – to 2017, uh, there were, it was something like 76 players who had over 30 catches in a season and 87% of them had a 20 catch season in college. I mean, that's, that's fairly predictive. I mean, I know it's rudimentary math and, and I'm, I'm not reinventing the wheel or anything. (laughs) That's what I got. So I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, but 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 it really, I mean, it turned out to be fairly predictive, and I think part of it is the NFL is just not that creative. If they see a guy do it in college, well, he can probably do it in the NFL. If they don't see a guy do it in college, well, we're not going to take a chance that he can't do it. We're going to do what he can do, and, and I, I think that's that's part of it. It's not a developmental league, right? It's not at all. Not.
0: <laughs> Unless you're on a- – and I do think we could make a list of teams that will develop. I think Kansas City is on there. I think New Orleans is on there. I think the Patriots are on there. But outside of that, and that's why landing spot comes into it mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, uh, the trouble with running back is we can't list off our favorite things. It's this general conversation. You have to see the draft, then apply all of this to it, and the names pop um, or they don't. Um uh, have we just lost our our, our host? By the way, it's,
1: it's, just, it's me, just you and instrument. me.
0: <laughs> Let's go, Zach. Let's go. Let's take over this mother.
2: <laughs> that that was the goal all along for that to ultimately be the case, and we just we just kind of slowly walk away. No, we'll have to. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to cut this a little bit short. We're going to have to stop it there. I mean, I and I think that it's it's probably acceptable. I mean, the the two positions that we went over. Are the two that, in my opinion, superflex drafters are going to have the toughest time navigating, because it is so. It's there's still not a, a perfect formula for it at the quarterback and running back positions. Whereas wide receiver, tight end, I mean, you're gonna know, right? Noah font, it, no font. Font, font, whatever. If he goes to if he, <laughs> whatever, he, yeah, whatever that guy's name He's is, called something or other, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something whatever. like that. I mean, if he landed in Green Bay or or Dallas, I mean, all of a sudden he jumps, you know, pretty pretty high up in uh, in the first round of your rookie draft, especially if you have have a tight end premium. These wide receivers, I mean, like you said earlier. Peter, I mean, you know, Nikhil Harry is going to be in the conversation for 1.01, regardless of where he lands. Some of these other guys, I mean, we're 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 going to know where they belong based on their landing spots. It's 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 going to be pretty easy to figure out. But I think the running backs are tough because we see this fairly frequently, where you know, a, a guy like David Montgomery lands in a pretty bad spot where he's going to have a hard time getting on the field. Whereas you know maybe a, a Damian Harris or Rodney Anderson ends up in a in a great spot, and and it's what do you do there? You know, is it talent versus opportunity? <laughs> so, uh, so I think that we we really got to the the core of what we wanted to get to in this episode, even though we didn't get to the pass catching positions. Um, so, yeah, Sam, no was... Ashton Doolin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How dare
4: you (laughs) both you and Kyle. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, we're just gonna relegate him to a punt returner <laughs> get out of here you
1: should you should see the way he waves his hand for a fair catch though it's one of the most beautiful uh, <laughs> yeah, instances that, i've seen in all of all of my scouting just <laughs> don't
0: worry don't worry we'll get him on we'll get him on that one eventually uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're still recovering from their marlon meta uh, <laughs> yeah. the, la- the last time they took me on so we'll, we'll 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 go on with ashland dealing with them i would like to underscore Zach point because he made a a number of really good ones obviously like he always does but um the nature of this class and this follows on from what you were saying as well um that this is a pick your poison class and you should love that that's why we're this is let's face it we're not actually playing football we're not actually doing anything to do with football but we really like standing on hills making your (laughs) coin step up to the line tell everyone else they are wrong and just take your shot. That's what this class is about. And while there are lots of warts over here, I also have been mentioning over and over again in different articles I write, some of the best players come from the worst classes. And this is a worst class, but like Keenan Allen and Deshaun Jackson, and not Deshaun Jackson, Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins come from one of the worst classes And that you'll ever see like it it was a terrible class. You really want both of those guys still in dynasty, a class that came after that included Josh Gordon, who had a great year and you know, people are still trading for him, but that was a great class and a great deep class from the perspective of this time in that year. But all of them now are almost irrelevant. Whereas Deandre Hopkins and Keenan Allen are still top 12 overall picks from a bad class. Now, I'm not saying that there's a DeAndre Hopkins in this class. What I'm saying is AJ don't Brown. underrate the class because it's got warts. Like, step up to the line and make your – if you get it wrong, who, who, who really cares? We're playing fantasy football. But this is a class where you literally just get to write your own ADP. This, this is your ticket to step up to the line and say, screw it, Ashland Doolin in the first round. I don't care what <laughs> Zach says. I don't care. Bring it. And, you know, all you're really losing is a fake pick in a fake football league so this this class should be like your thing I'm maybe try it's not square like i love this class for that reason alone not not necessarily all the all the players in it but the fact that you get to do that if you want hakeem butler you can step into the middle of the first and get him and then just peacock around when he hits and like <laughs> you didn't take him all five of you guys missed out on this guy and you can just do that for years like this is the class you go get that guy
2: That right. that was it. <laughs> well, <laughs> since you're gonna go ahead and put that target on your back, uh, it, we're, <laughs> so we're gonna let Peter off the hook on his rankings for this episode, just because we went a little too long. Uh, this is uh, this is a part of the show where Stompy tells me to relax.
4: No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> you're, you're, you're good. At, yeah, he's got another
2: sh- got another show to do. Uh, so uh, yeah, we'll but we'll have to bring peter back to uh to talk about his rankings and zach we don't have any rankings for you to
1: pick uh, apart no so. uh and certainly not superfly like i said we don't we don't really do super flex on the dummies we let that uh, to the professionals we we just we just handle the easy stuff oh uh, man
2: well we, you'll have to you'll have to come back on from time to time to scratch the itch
1: oh i'd love to i mean this was awesome this was so much
2: fun all right, but we gotta th- we gotta thank the guys for coming on, and like I said, we'll have to do this again uh, real soon. And you know these rookies are gonna have some landing spots, and then uh, we'll have a totally different conversation uh, that we need to have with each of you. So uh, yeah, plan on uh, plan on coming back on very very soon. So again, you can find Zach; he's at tacitassassin Assassin Thirteen. Peter's at PA Howdy. And then again, the Dynasty Dummies podcast and DynastyDummies.com for Zach and then Peter at Dynasty, the Dynasty Crossroads podcast, and then DLF and FF Statistics. What else? What am I missing, guys? Where can they find your work?
1: No, you pretty much, uh... Got it all? Nailed me. Uh, I'm over there at the Dynasty Dummies with my better half, Kyle Labreck, and, uh, j mike at j mike check is also over there so you know we have we have a good time with the dummies
2: that's a that's a great skeleton crew right there that's <laughs> that's all you need just those three and now so what are you guys going to be doing throughout the draft do you guys have have plans you're going to be tweeting you're going to be podcasting oh
1: we we do so and and peter will be involved i hope with this but we usually do a day two uh because we can't compete. The Bull Rush does the shot cast on, on day one of the NFL draft. And so we usually roll out day two, get the second and third rounds, and uh, and do a live show uh, on that Friday night. So that, that's that's a ton of fun. Last year we had Peter on. We had Jake. We had Kevin Cotillo, And we had just a, a, a myriad. We had uh, Riley Bymaster. And hopefully we can we can scrape together something again this year.
2: Nice. What do you got planned? Howdy.
0: I uh, got nothing planned. I can pretty much guarantee I'll be on Twitter um talking about the draft and hopefully uh Zach or someone will invite me on a podcast at some point and I'll tilt live. <laughs> That's my <laughs> plan right now.
2: Nice. I have a feeling that uh that you'll find you'll find somebody to talk to. I live.
3: think so too. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah yeah i hope so i had a i had a great
0: time going on draft shows last year oh, so my last fun. draft was crazy <laughs> nice
2: yeah, yeah awesome. we're, well we're gonna be in touch a little bit of a spoiler alert i suppose but
0: uh... i i can tell you you haven't lived until you, you haven't really lived until you've seen the tear roll down zach's cheek live as uh um, kelly uh, your your guy went to the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, yeah I'm still girl, I'm John still Kelly. broken
2: up about that.
3: Me too. Me too. Ugh.
2: Yeah, it was a it was a rough one around here. There, were, when, there was some hearts breaking. Yeah, first John Kelly, and then Auden Tate just barely gets drafted in a horrible landing spot. Yeah, it was, it was a tough one around
3: here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and you're questioning my rankings. Auden Tate, get out of here! Come on.
3: <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> that 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 was for me. That was for me. That was my my (laughs) draft crush last year.
2: Mine was ESB and that one has, has yet to be proven wrong. So thank you. Thank you. I I have wide receiver too. (laughs) All right. We get, we're going to wrap it up there for the week though. And as we do, we're going to ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, You can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, the mega feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF, including this one and dynasty crossroads. And once you're subscribed, if you'd give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do, we'd really appreciate it. And here's another way you can help the podcast out. Ryan McDowell's fantasy follows podcast category will be coming out very soon. And we'd love to get your vote. If you were going to give us a rating and review, never quite got around to it. Here's a way to do something quicker and easier with the same amount of potency. So make sure you're following Ryan. He's at RyanMC23 so you don't miss the announcement. Whether it's a vote or a rating and review, you're helping us to expand our reach, get out to a larger audience, and allowing us to involve more people in the conversation so we can really zero in on all the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. In the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter at Superflex Show. You can also send them to any one of us individually. Stompy's at FFstompy. James is at underscore James the Brain. And I'm at Superflex Dude. And again, Zach at TacitAssassin 13. And Peter at PA Howdy. We'd all love to be involved in those conversations maybe not peter he gets a little grumpy sometimes (laughs) He gets too many twitter notifications but i think that's
0: misleading um (laughs) i don't get grumpy i i just i i exist in that state so (laughs) that's just the baseline (laughs) okay fair enough
2: fair enough so yeah send send him to peter he's gonna be grumpy either way (laughs) (laughs) So intro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, send us your trades. We can retweet them, help you get more votes and comments and sometimes even bring them here on the podcast and analyze them. Thank you to Heart and Soul radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. Thanks again to Zach and Peter for being here. and above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.